0: Westside Family Church, it is so great to see you. Wow, thank you. my family back there. Uh, uh, Forty days ago, today, we issued a challenge for all of you here at Lenexa Speedway Online to read or listen to the entire New Testament in 40 days, and today that 40th day is up And uh, many of you entered into that challenge. And for those of of you who finished it or will finish it by the end of the day, Scouts Honor, after the service, uh, we have a certificate for you, which I have signed. We need you to go out and have your name put on it and then if you can hang around here at Lenexa and at Speedway, we're gonna do a group picture for all of those of you who finished it, either by reading it or listening to it or letting it be read to you as you were reading it. What a cool deal. Now, here's the deal. If you're watching online, uh, you can reach out in a link and uh, you can download this certificate that I have signed and put your name in it to be a part of this wonderful experience. Now, here's the truth. The truth is We did not go through this challenge so that you could get a certificate, okay? We did it because we are heaven bent. That's how pastors say it. We are heaven bent on you taking hold of everything that Jesus has made available to you when he died on the cross. And we know that if you engage in God's word for yourself, you're going to get there faster. You can't grow in your spiritual life by simply watching a talking head, a bobber. You know, you've got to engage. So we are going to continue to press in to try to get you disciplined to After everything that Jesus made available, because we are all about you becoming more like Jesus and experiencing this life. So until the day I die, I'm going to keep pressing and pressing and pressing. And then after I'm dead, you can do whatever you want, right? (laughs) Okay, just joking. So today I want to tell you a story, begin, but tell you a story that I actually told uh, when I first arrived. Uh, here at Westside, because it is a story that, it, that has been so formative in my personal journey with Jesus. And uh, some, many of you weren't here, and so this will be the first time that you hear it. Um, and it's a story about my mother, and I do it because it sets us up for what we need to talk about today. So I've told you this before. Uh, my mother grew up in a very, very poor situation in southwest Pennsylvania. As a matter of fact, in her early days, uh, her home was actually a dirt floor, and Southwest Pennsylvania gets super cold. Yeah, and there's outhouses the whole nine yards. You got the picture in your mind. And uh, she ended up marrying my dad at the age of 18. And in pursuit of a better life, about three, no, about five years later, they moved to Cleveland, Ohio, with me and my just my older brother at the time. I was three years old in pursuit of a better life for us and that they did provide in kind of a lower middle class sort of factory industrial type job and we ended up having uh, four siblings all together and I just have to tell you, maybe this is true of your mom, Uh, I don't think it's absolutely the right thing but for my mom, we could never get her to do anything for herself. We just couldn't do it as hard as we tried. So when I grew up, Became a pastor and finally got to the place where I had just enough money. I uh, talked to Roseanne about it, and we agreed that for Christmas we were going to uh, provide for my dad and my mom to go on an all expense paid for vacation by the sun to the beautiful Niagara Falls. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever been there, it is just quite magnificent, whether you go in the summertime or the wintertime, it's just absolutely amazing. And uh, we, I had reserved uh, a room, two rooms, on the Canadian side, because that's how you look at the falls. If you've ever been there, there's a new hotel, newer hotel, and then sort of a turn of the century hotel that's been refurbished. And I got the reservation there because when you walk into the, into the, into the lobby, it is like crazy opulent. And I could just vision my mom walking into that lobby going, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. And that's what I was going for. Yes, mom, you do. And the rooms you know, had the big tubs and those, those uh, the, the, you know, personal um, you know, robes and all of that. And I just wanted to treat my mom to this crazy great experience because of all that she had done for us. And uh, three months out, uh, we were going to go the day after Christmas, uh, three months out, my mom was complaining that she wasn't feeling very well. And I didn't think much of it. But sort of fast forward, three days before we were to leave for this trip, my mom died of advanced pancreatic cancer at the age of 62. And uh, I was devastated on so many levels, spiritually, personally, to lose my mom unexpectedly, and um, yeah, that I had missed doing this one thing for her, By three days maybe you have a story like that where there has been someone that you have loved and you dreamed of all the things when life wasn't so busy that you were going to get around to but then they up and died and all of those dreams died with them and it's left you a bit numb a little bit um, of a struggle And so that's what I want to talk about today as we finish our New Testament challenge. And today, your assignment was to finish the final four books of the New Testament. First, second, third John, and the book of Revelation. Okay. Now, in our time together last week, uh, we learned about the end of time as we know it. And we dove into Second Peter and Jude particularly to talk about the end of time. Now we're going to peek for just a moment into the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and we're going to discover that for believers in Jesus Christ, it turns out that it is not the end of time, but rather for us, it is really a new Beginning. It's a new beginning. Now the author of these final four books of the Bible is a guy named John. He wrote the final four books of the Bible and when you were in, I think it was week seven, you took in a fifth book he wrote called The Gospel of John. Now we know from history that almost all of the original apostles like James and Peter and Paul were all martyred for their faith. History tells us that Peter was hung upside down and that Paul was beheaded. And so most of them were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. But for John, the Roman Empire had a different strategy for him they decided instead of killing him that they were going to exile him to a little island called Patmos. And the idea of exiling him there for the rest of his life would snuff out his influence. But nothing could be further from the truth because while he was on that island, he receives a vision from God, a 3D IMAG vision of what is yet To come. And he writes down that vision of what he saw in a book called Revelation, which simply means this is the big reveal, the unveiling of what is yet to come for all of us. What is yet to come. And this book of the Bible, unbeknownst to the Roman Empire, has provided unprecedented amounts of courage and hope to believers in Jesus Christ over the century because there is some crazy good news in this book for those who believe. And I want to infuse your life today with an ounce of that courage, an ounce of that hope. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the last book, easy to find, the book of Revelation, or you can turn to the Westside app that'll have all the scriptures today as well as a cool outline for you to fill in to keep and to share with someone you know and someone you love. And what we're gonna do is we're going to uh, discover four things about the future. Are you ready? Are you ready? righty, here we go. Discovery number one, we are going to receive new bodies. Can I get an amen? We're going to receive new bodies. Now, I want to, uh, I want to talk a moment about a man, a Westsider uh, named Jim Lang. Jim Lang, a, f- a beautiful follower of Jesus. On Friday, uh, he passed away at the age of 82. And so this is the time when we as Westsiders wrap our arms around Marjorie, wrapping God's family around your family in her time of loss. However, at the moment that Jim passed away, all that happened was that his body gave out. Jim did not. Jim continues to live today. The Bible tells us that instantly, instantly, he went to be in the presence of Jesus. Now, this is referred to, a little technical here, this is referred to by theologians as the intermediate state. What that means is that this is only a step in where Jim is going to end up spending eternity. It is just intermediate. His spirit went to be with Jesus, and we don't know much more about it other than he is with Jesus. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know anything about it other than he's with Jesus, and we know that that is enough. But the Bible clearly teaches in many places, and particularly in the last book of the Bible, that because of Jim's faith, there is a day coming, we talked about it last week, where Jesus is going to return. Yeah. And when he returns, Jim's spirit will be encased in a brand new body. Not only Jim, but all of those who have passed on will receive an imperishable body. And those of us who might be alive at the time of Jesus' return will also instantly receive a new imperishable body. I know it's fantastic and hard to believe, but it's true. It's true, as a matter of fact, one theologian said, it would be impossible to discover any single point of greater agreement in the history of Christian thought than this single one. The future bodily resurrection of the dead is the blessed hope of all who are in Christ Jesus by faith. It's unbelievable. And you say, I just can't believe it, Randy. Now I tell you, that if you know our bodies didn't exist with all of its complexities and if this beautiful earth did not exist and if, uh, you know, uh, you would say, I can't believe that God could create even this. But the reason we believe that the earth is like sort of suspended in this galaxy and moving around the sun and somehow, you know, the environment uh, allows us to actually breathe and live. And if we were to move outside of it, we would die. It would be like, that is like so sci-fi. But the reason we believe it is because we're experiencing it. And the beauty of what God has done now, he's going to do again in even a greater way. And you can believe it because what he did once, he is going to do again. Back in week three, you were invited to read or listen to the book of First Corinthians. And chapter 15 of Corinthians is devoted to this very topic. I just want to read to you verses 51 through 52. Paul writes, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So I say again. When Jesus returns, those who have passed on, whose spirits are with Jesus, and those of us who are alive will instantaneously receive new imperishable bodies like Jesus did at his resurrection. And so in this moment, when Jesus returns, Jim, whose spirit is with Jesus right now, will receive a new body, and never again will this new imperishable body ever be threatened again by leukemia, or by COVID. And I don't know about you, but I'm hoping for a few modifications in the new body. Anybody with me? A couple of divine nips and tucks would be all that I am asking for. Maybe a little taller. If you haven't met me in person, I'm not exactly a giant, you know. Just want six foot, Lord. That's all I want for all eternity. It's all I want, okay? Yeah, now here's a question. Why do we need a body for eternity? Why would we even need a body for all eternity? Does anybody have a guess? Yeah, there's no sin. That's fantastic. Way to go. Well, the reason that we don't need a new body, one, we're not going to sin, is because the place that we're going to be going to is going to require that we have a body. Okay, now we're gonna move out of the intermediate state to what's called in theology, the final state. Are you ready for discovery number two? All right, man, I'm feeling it today. The final destination for believers is not up there, but down here. The final destination for believers is not up here. Listen to this. God, if you're new to the Bible, is super easy to understand. What God did in Genesis 1 and 2 when he created the heavens and the earth, he's going to do again in Revelation. For example, let's take a look at Genesis 1.1. You may remember this. Ready? Say it with me. In the beginning, God created the what? The heavens and the earth. Now go to the last, last two Chapters of the Bible. Revelation, I mean, Genesis 1 and 2, the first two chapters. Revelation 21, 22, the last two chapters. And this is what John saw, okay? Read it it out with me, ready? Then I saw a what? A new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Yeah, this is what's coming, okay? So here's the notion, here is the idea. In the Bible, if you want to understand the basic, like, couple sentences of the Bible. Genesis 1 and 2 God creates the heavens and the earth and in the middle of that he creates a garden and his whole purpose was to come down and to be with us in the garden forever. But guess what? We didn't want that. No. No. And so because of that sin entered into our life and we were banished from the garden. This is all God wants. And so what is the Bible really all about? The Bible is not in history a line beginning in Genesis 1 and 2 and moving forward as a line. The Bible is nothing but a circle. It started with God's vision in the garden and basically all of the Bible after Genesis 3 is God's pursuit of us and providing the way for us to come back into the garden. That's what this whole story is about, that those who want it and believe in it will one day get back to that place. This is what John is talking about. Maybe think of it this way. When we die, we go up to heaven, but when Jesus returns, he brings heaven to earth, a new earth, and we are coming with him. Now, to me, that is plum exciting. The idea of me living for all eternity in a disembodied spirit rolling around in the earth's atmosphere, which seems like it would be a bit cold to me, does not seem like something I want to do. But the notion that one day I will be back on a new heaven and a new earth that is better than this one without all the crud. I'm just telling you, this should infuse hope into your very bones because what he has already done, he's going to do again because he has the power to do it. Now, are you ready for number three? One more time. Are you ready for discovery number three? Okay, here it is. God is not staying up there, but he is actually coming down here. He is going to come down to be with us. And we're going to have a redo of just like the garden with Adam and Eve where it says that he took walks with them in the cool of the day. I'm a little intimidated by this, but I'm super excited about taking a walk with God in the cool of the day. I want you to look at the next verse in Revelation 21. John sees this. He said, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older order of things has passed away. Now, for me, I just want you to anticipate this. I want you to enter into the story with me here, okay? You're a believer, and you are going to meet God, okay? Now, for me, meeting Jesus, who is God, I've got kind of a conceptual idea of meeting Jesus because you know, he has a body like ours, right? But what's gonna be really fascinating to me is to figure out which of the depictions of Jesus actually was right? You know, is it the blonde or blue-eyed Jesus? Is it, you know, which one it is? So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about that, but I feel like I've got kind of, kind of a concrete idea of what that may be. Where I get sort of uh, excited is, what is it going to be like to meet God the Father? What's my image of that, what would it be like to meet God the Holy Spirit? Will I be able to see him? Will I be able to feel his breath? What will that be like? I think we're going to be in for the most fantastic experience when we look pure love in the face. It's going to do something for our souls like never before. I don't know about you, but I am ready for Jesus to wipe my final tear from my eye. Yeah, he's going to come to me and he's going to, Randy, go ahead and put one more out because it will be the last one. Right now, some of you are crying a lot. Trauma, anxiety, depression, loss, confusion, physical pain, financial devastation, and you're crying. But on this day, that final tear will come out and Jesus himself will take his index finger and wipe it away forever. Does that encourage you? Are you ready for the fourth and final discovery? Okay, it's getting good, isn't it? Okay, listen to this one. This is crazy. God will form a grand new city beyond our imaginations where we will live with him on the new earth. Yeah, so inside this new heaven and new earth, there's going to be a city. Let me show you back in verse two of Revelation 21. John said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Jesus, the carpenter, if you will, John chapter 14, told us that he went away, and while he's been away, he has been preparing a place for us. This is the place that he's talking about, the construction of a whole new city called the New Jerusalem, where if you believe, you will have a residence within. Yeah, that's crazy. John is then going to give us in verses 15 through 17 the dimensions of this city, okay? Now, for all of you architects and engineers and math people, ha! I finally got to your part in the message. Okay, here it is. The angel who talked with me, I love that, the angel who talked with me, had a measuring rod of gold, why, well, of course, to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out in a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length as wide and high as it is Long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubics thick. Now, let me translate that into terms, measurements that we understand. Essentially, this new city that Jesus is constructing is a 1,500 mile symmetrical cube a 1,500-mile symmetrical cube. To give you some idea, this city uh, is, it would be like starting from the southern tip of Florida and going all the way up to Maine, cubed. The angel measured the thickness of the walls of this cube city, and they measured, listen to this, 70 yards Thick. That is about the width of this stage here. 70 yards thick are the walls of this city. And this is the vision for living for all eternity. Not up in the clouds, thank you, God, but on an earth in a beautiful city. And some of you should be getting a picture of some of the sci fi movies that you watched uh, in your day where people are like, you know, living in multiple layers, right? And have these resurrected bodies that don't have a lot of limits to them. For me, what conjures up in my mind is a cartoon I watched when I was a kid. The Jetsons. Yeah, George Jetson. His name, what's his wife's name? Jane. Jane. And his son's name is. Elroy, yeah, so you got some literacy on that for sure, right? And so how they were like in the hovercraft just moving up and down. Who ever thought that the Jetsons would be maybe our best picture of life for the future? Who would have thought? Now the question is, how many people can live in this New Jerusalem symmetrical cube? Well, someone has done the math. Listen to this. Someone calculated that if this structure is cubed shape, it would allow for 20 Billion residents. By the way, that's three times our current Earth population, and each having his or own private 75 acre cube. Come on. If the residents were smaller, then there is room enough to accom- accommodate 100,000 billion residence even then plenty of room is left over for parks streets and other things that you would normally see in a city and this is just the city there is way more besides the city there is the whole earth for us to explore that will be grander and more pristine than the one we have now and no climate change if that's even existing or whatever I don't even know about all that stuff but it ain't going to be a topic of discussion then and I have to tell you that there's so much more that we can dive into in these discoveries and the reason we sit around and talk about it is because the more concrete idea you have of your future based upon the promises and the power of Jesus, the more you look forward to it. But there's one more thing I need to show you, and it's right dab in the center of this city. Verses one through five of chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nation. No longer will there be any curse. Yeah. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve them. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Imagine a crystal clear river containing the same water that Jesus talked to the woman at the well about, a living water that if you were to drink it, you would never thirst again. It sustains eternal life. For centuries, people like Ponce de Leon, Search for the fountain of youth. Turns out it's not found in the islands of Bamini, but rather it's right dab in the center of the new Jerusalem. That just might be something to see. And if you're a believer, you're going to see it. It says here that there are two identical trees on either side of this great river. Now you remember back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, there were two trees as well. There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But you'll notice in the new Jerusalem, there is not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because we don't need that tree here. That tree was back in the original garden to give humans the free will to choose the vision of God for themselves. But now all of those who will be residents in this new Jerusalem won't need that tree because we've made our decision Here. And so God replaced the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with two trees of life. And we are going to partake of the tree that Adam and Eve decided to ignore. And every time we take a bite of its fruit, which is produced every single month, not only will we take a bite of it with our brand new resurrected teeth, (laughs) but every time we do, we'll pick up a hint of eternity in every single bite. And the best part of all is that we will see God face to face. In ancient times, criminals were banished from the presence of the king. The Bible teaches us that we were once criminals and therefore we have been banished from the presence of God. But now, those of us who have believed Have been pardoned and we're no longer banished from the presence of God, but are invited to go into His very presence. John tells us here that we are all, those of us who believe, are going to receive a tattoo. That's a bit of a challenge for me. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Number one, I'm super indecisive. I was on the phone with my son yesterday and, uh, uh, and, uh, in Dallas and, and we were looking at getting some new eyewear for me and we stayed on the phone for about a half an hour and I just couldn't pull the trigger. I can't even determine what new lenses, that I, glasses I want to wear, let alone putting a tattoo. I'm just too indecisive and I'll tell you, I'm not sure what that tattoo is going to look like when I turn 90 years old on my body, right? I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of this. Please not cringe. Uh, here we go. Uh, there. Forever 18, right? And then how about that one, right? Right? Uh, that's not good, man. Yeah. You know? But here, I'm going to tell you I am going to gladly take this tattoo on my forehead because, as crazy as it sounds, it's going to signify that I belong through the blood of Christ. Imagine with me this New Testament challenge. First of all, here's what we've learned new today. Jesus is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Don't miss this. Eternity's not up in the sky. It's down here on earth. Here is the Testament. Here's what we declare. Here's what we testify to, all who believe in this life will live eternally with God in the next. Yeah, you have to believe in this life though. And so here's the challenge. Have you made your reservation? Have you made your reservation? As I journey, as we've journeyed through the New Testament, it has become abundantly clear that it is God's desire that everyone would say yes. But he's not holding a cosmic gun to your head. It is apparent by the construction of the new Jerusalem that has the capacity of holding 100,000 billion people that he built it with the idea that everyone would say yes. But the reality is not everyone does. But I hope that you do. So I ask you, have you made that reservation? You have to make it before you arrive. Do you understand? If you have any doubts at all about the power of the gospel, then the best thing that this New Testament challenge could do for you is that once and for all, you embrace the vision of forgiveness that will promise you eternal life in the new kingdom. Amen? So I got to thinking about that river. Kind of close your eyes and you see this river flowing from the throne of God. And I'm there. Going down the center of the city. I thought, man, that might be something to see. I thought, surely, this river is going to rival the Niagara Falls. Right? And so as it turns out, because of the simple faith of my mother and the simple faith of her son, it turns out our trip hasn't been canceled after all. It's merely been postponed. And this time, it will not be paid for in full by her son, but it'll be paid for in full by the son of God. This time, it won't be a rented hotel for three days, but it'll be a permanent residence. And my mom's gonna walk in with the robes and all. This is not for me. And Jesus will say, Ruth, get used to it. This is your spread. I hope that you understand that this is available to all who Believe. And if you do believe, or believe today for the first time, in that day, I would like to introduce you to my mom. You didn't meet her. She's an amazing woman. And I want to see her body again, so I'm going to need a few minutes without you (laughs) to see her body not riddled with cancer, to see her whole again. And then after I have a few minutes, come up and meet her where to find us will be by that river i promise you and all of god's people said Amen. amen father thank you so much for your word today the purpose of your word is to infuse courage and hope within us and i pray that it is done just that as you've given us this vivid image of what is yet to come And it is to also be a clarion call for those who have yet not believed that they would make their reservation today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.